Swabaji, we've been discussing intuition and how to develop it. Can you give other examples of ways we can well, practice? I was thinking of psychic powers. We can develop those powers by um, trying deliberately to think what, uh, well, first of all, what is in other people's minds? To be sensitive to them, listen to other people, hear what they're saying, and then try to feel behind what they're saying, what they're feeling. And look into their eyes and try to see what is behind their words, because often words are more of a, a mask than an expression of reality. Then you can ask yourself questions about the future. We can develop this power if we um, test ourselves and feel, will this happen or will this not happen? Over a period of time, if you keep asking yourself that question, that ability to know what will come in the future will come more clearly to you. Um, what is the right choice in my life? You make wrong choices and you find, if you keep asking yourself that question, um, is this right, is this wrong? You'll find that the feeling that you get will become more and more sensitive and clear. Is there a time in your life or an example from your life that you could share when that when you exercise that ability? I can say that I've often done it, but I can't speak of a time. In just developing uh, ways to get guidance, do you have... Yes, it? yes. Um, what should I do? Should, is this right? Is this wrong? Um, you, actually, okay, it's like this. that there, Your body is like a broadcasting station and a receiving set both. So when you want to know a truth, send out the thought in your, in your, from your point between the eyebrows. This is the point of intellect, it's the point of superconsciousness also. Not this point here, but between, in the brain, in the frontal lobe of the brain behind that point. And that is the sending station, you might say. Well, you can ask, is this right? And if, you're, if you ask clearly enough, and with willpower, it's like, a, like electricity going through a wire. When the electricity is strong, the magnetic current becomes strong. So when you send a strong thought out, the stronger that thought, the stronger the energy. And with that energy, it generates a magnetic field which will attract to you the right answer. Then feel the answer in your heart. This is the receiving set, and uh, you'll get clear answers that way. You use the term superconsciousness. Can you describe that? Yes. By the way, if you will sit back a little bit, I can see the clock. Excuse me. And, uh, <laughs> unless you sit back, I can't see the clock, and I'm lucky to go beyond our time. Um, <coughs> superconsciousness is the intuitive part of our awareness. It's true wisdom, which is broken up by the reason and by the emotions. And the emotions are the more important part to, to um, make calm. When we can calm the emotions, when we get rid of our likes and dislikes, in an ancient yoga treatise called Yoga Sutras, or the yoga stanzas, aphorisms 
of Patanjali. He says that the definition of yoga, yoga nirodha, yoga is the neutralization of the vortices of feeling. If you can calm your feeling, the mind automatically becomes calm. So it's more important for the feelings to become calm. This we can do by meditation and by deliberately giving up those reactive, the reactive process that says, I like this, I don't like that, and uh, that looks outside for its fulfillment instead of inside. Swami, what is a, a vortice, a vortex a of vortex. When you have a feeling, it's tied to the post of ego. And so the vortex rotates around your ego. I am happy, I am angry, I am dis disgusted, I am displeased, mm -hmm. and so on. But it's always with that thought of I, I, I. And the vortex is this thought that rotates around that. Um, if you want to overcome anger, for example, supposing that's one of those little vortices, what would be a good approach to doing a that? A good approach is simply to give it up to God. I don't have to decide, it's your world, it's not my world. It's not my job to tell this world how to be. And if people want to treat me in ways that are displeasing to me, it's better for me to get in tune with what's happening rather than wish it were not happening. Mm. Anger is wishing things were different from what they are. If we can just say, it's, what, it's your show, God, you take over, then we overcome that. And then our part in it, as far as action goes, because sometimes things do need to be changed in some way or well, another. We can, we can change them much better if we don't get angry about them. Mm -hmm. Because uh, anger creates waves. Anger creates uh, feeling in other people and so on. If you're just determined to do a good thing, you're more likely to get away with it. Even then you won't. Even then you'll find people will misunderstand you and misjudge you. I've been greatly misjudged sometimes. And there was just absolutely nothing I could do about it. But uh, at least in ourselves, why should we get excited? Let it be their problem. Can you give any other advice on overcoming anger? Well, I think to feel kind toward people is a very important thing. And I think one way to feel kind toward everybody is to realize that everybody in the world is seeking the same thing you are. It's not as if everybody was looking for a particular vase and only one person could have it. It's something that everybody can have. Everybody is wanting happiness. And happiness is just a lower octave, you might say, defined by ego, of bliss, which is defined by God, or is an aspect of God. And so, if you understand that, really speaking, the worst mafioso, really what he wants is bliss. Why, did, why does everybody want bliss? Because this whole universe is God's dream, and his nature is bliss. Ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. So we are made from bliss. And it's our nature, it's the nature of all creation to want to find that bliss. First of all, they think of it in lower terms, lower octaves, as I put it, of happiness. But then it goes down deeper than that. 
So people feel that they will find happiness by revenge. People feel happiness by murdering other people, by getting rid of problems, by destroying them and so on. All these things are the delusions people fall into. But basically, all of us want that pure bliss. And if you understand that this is all that people want, they just don't know yet. And so they make one mistake after another. It's sort of like a story in the Second World War of soldiers in a boot camp. There was one soldier who was going around picking pieces of paper off the ground and saying, well, this isn't it, this isn't it. Finally, they recommended him to the camp psychiatrist and he went in and he picked up papers, papers off the desk and this isn't it, this isn't it. And the, he couldn't get the, the psychiatrist couldn't get him to re respond to him. So finally, he recommended him for a medical discharge. And when the guy got that medical discharge, he said, this is it. He ran out <laughs> happily. <laughs> and so we have, to, we have to realize that in the many, many lifetimes that people live, and we do live many lives, and all you've got to do is look at any uh, crowd and see the vast variety that, can, that comes there. The, you don't develop those from your genes. It's all your past incarnations of experience that have made you assume the face and expression that you have today. Mm -hmm. And anyway, all those lifetimes were always picking up pieces of, pieces of paper saying, this isn't it, this isn't it. Revenge didn't do it, murder didn't do it, anger didn't do it. Finally, we reach the point of realizing that there's only one thing that works and that's God. That's what I had reached when I took that long walk, you mentioned that it was in Charleston. Swami, you mentioned uh, meditation as a way to develop intuition. Can you describe what that is? Meditation is, well, I would put it this way. Prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening for his answer. Mm -hmm. So you make your mind calm and still and then you hold it up to God and ask God to fill. It's like holding a cup up and asking God to fill that cup. And are there specific techniques that you recommend? Certain techniques help to calm the mind. And uh, therefore yoga techniques are very good that way. Most people think that yoga means doing physical postures and so on. That's not really even yoga. It's called that, it's known as that. But it's brought, taken from one of the uh, stages of, or the angas of Patanjali's Eightfold Path, the, one of the folds of that path. And that is the fold of asana or steadfastness, to be able to sit still with a straight spine. That's all asana really means. Yoga basically is union, uniting your soul with God. The purpose of yoga is to help you to know that you have come from God and the goal of your life is to unite your soul with Him. The beautiful thing about that is that when you've lost your ego in Him, you have not lost self-consciousness, nor have you lost your own unique individuality, mm. because that is something that will always be there, at least as a memory. 
so you will never lose even that when you merge in God. The goal of life is to offer ourselves up to God and to become one with Him. And only when you have learned how to do that will you become truly yourself. Until then, you will be taking on all the habits of other people, the different attitudes that you've developed over many incarnations, but it's all borrowed. You aren't your true self until you can go down into that deeper being that is the self, as Yogananda said in his book, Autobiography of a Yogi, that every atom is dowered with individuality. Everything is conscious, even the rocks. And uh, we are simply the refinement of that consciousness. Our goal then is to unite ourselves with him and find out who we really are.